and thank you for Welcome to my podcast, Today's Dream, Tomorrow's Reality. My name is Vicki Poole, and I am a life coach, a health coach, a hypnotherapist at the Enlightened Peach. And this podcast is all about embracing our mosaic life. Some of you may ask, what is a mosaic life? Well, it's recognizing that all the pieces of our life, the good, the bad, the indifferent, have all come together to make us who we are. Change any one thing and we are different. With that in mind, I invite you to embrace your perceived imperfections. And we're gonna dive into our dreams, looking at where your dreams come from and are they really yours? And this podcast is unedited and raw, just like life. I will be your host, And we'll have special guests from time to time. And as a matter of fact, today, I have a special guest that I'm going to be introducing to you in just a moment. But if you have any ahas or questions, please leave a comment or a voice message. So now let's get started. So I'm going to start off with introducing you. And um, um, I had a a wonderful experience with meeting this gentleman um, just actually online. And I'm going to, um, his story was so good, I just reached out. So I'm going to read to you his bio and um, and then I will let him come on and talk to us. But he is definitely, I might say a character. I just really love his his humor and the way he does things. So I'm going to be reading this right now. So um, just bear with me. And for one thing, his name is Jason, is it? Hottle? Hottle. Hottle. Okay. Um, And he starts off his bio with quack. Um, And he says his name is Jason, but his friends call him Fluffy. He's a wolf pretending to be human. And he says that he's a below the knee amputee. His missing foot is on a sabbatical in Kentucky, hanging out with my friend, Mary. So I'll be interested to find out about his friend, Mary. Um, And he goes on to say, I'm a 41-year-old gay male who makes bad puns, does energy healing, and works as a psychic. I often quack like a duck to remind myself that I choose joy over stress. I help people heal with trauma so they may step into their power, so they can find a way to be their best possible self. I promote psychic hygiene, the use of the laws of attraction and manifestation, I emphasize the use of language to reprogram the mind to affect how we manifest our dreams in the world. And that's one of the wonderful things that I love about what I do is I feel the same way. Words are so powerful, whether they're used for good or bad, they have a power to them. In terms of spirituality, he says he's a pagan with a bit of Christianity. And he says, I work with the Nordic pantheon mostly. Uh, And I'm not sure what that is. So you'll have to fill us in on that. I wear the walnut on my back. It's an ancient symbol of death and rebirth and of destruction and creation. I am also a chaos magician. I want to hear a lot about that one. I work through quantum physics and the multiverse to move energy, shift probability, and to act as a facilitator for healing and ascension. Two years ago, I started to lose my lower leg due to neglect and diabetes. This was year three of me asking the universe to destroy all my fears and lead me into a better life. I'm now on my fifth year. And in the last two years, I've upgraded almost every aspect of my life. I found the love of my life, 
completely healed from several life-threatening medical problems and even managed to get my pancreas working again, somehow. So my blood sugar is now controlled and I just moved out of my family home. I'm still struggling with the idea that the universe wants me to be happy, but I choose to exist in a timeline where this is my birthright and privilege. Oh, I love that. I am okay with this struggle. It reminds me to be grateful for everything I've been through and for where I am, which is our mosaic life. Um, I have discovered how to find the joy and humor that the universe is hiding from us. I have an emotional support stuffed animal named Baxter, which is really, really cute, who regularly joins me for coffee at the local cafe. I did this so I could heal and find empowerment from my family traumas. I choose daily to take what I have learned and share it with other people so that they too may find empowerment and love. I visualize it as a virus so it spreads everywhere. And with that, I actually, I give you Jason or Fluffy. Um, and so just kind of, I, I, there is so much in there that, you know, piques my interest. It's like, what does that mean? But first thing I want to ask you is when you say, I visualize it as a virus, so it spreads everywhere. So dive into that thought for me. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me here. I'm actually quite excited. Um, virus. Okay. So there's actually a story behind that. Oh, um, can't wait to hear. <laughs> I told you that I move energy. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that thoughts, um, intentions are actually things. And you could place those energies into things. So for several years now, I would, whenever I would go to a pagan event called Pantheacon, it's now switched to called Between the Veils. And I'm in California, by the way. I would be putting, I would be handing out little rocks, crystals, usually citrine, and I would put my unique energy signature into it, which feels like a wave of light and love and a form of gentle static. Okay. And I would put it into those crystals and I would just hand them out to people. And I would imagine that each crystal would be a doorway to my unique energy, which is a branch of divine energy, because mm -hmm. we all are. And it would feed people spiritually, emotionally, and physically. And it would encourage them to have a brighter mindset. So they would smile more. So mm -hmm. they would laugh more they would indulge in humor and so they would be little beacons um, better beacons of light and love and vitality and so they would be affecting the people around them and that energy would be contagious mm -hmm. and it would spread um, quite literally like a virus and every year i would do this and i would feel like I would be building a web of energy and each year it would get stronger and stronger because it would more and more people would be affected. Can and I ask, a, do you mind if I ask a question really quick? Yeah. So, so when you're handing out these little stones to people and everything, 
Um, and you're there with a specific group of people that can probably feel energy and everything, maybe more than, so than some others. Um, but what was your response? What did what response did you get from people when you handed these out? My response? No, what mm -hmm. was their response? Most of them were excited about receiving could they do you feel like they could feel the energy that you put in there and the most intention of, behind yes. it wonderful yes, most, of them, most of them did mm -hmm. and i had to have two categories of um, stones one that i deliberately worked with mm -hmm. and something and another set usually rose quartz because it's gentle i didn't do anything with it i just okay. picked up the energy and that was something I would give out for people that thought my main stone was too much. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. And the and I would tell people that these crystals are doorways to energy. And you can you could quite use them as quite literally use them as batteries. And I specialized in water magic. And water soaks into everything in the area, vitalizing it, charging it and streamlining it so it would take what's there and make it better mm -hmm. so put it on an altar and you would find yourself building a better network of energy okay well you know um you were um when we were talking before we ever got on here um we were talking a little bit about words and different things and um speaking of the of the water is like we're 90 is it 90 percent water 85% whatever it is. And then that coupled with, I love the Emoto experiment with the water. Are you familiar with that one? Possibly. I don't know okay. the term. Um, it's the one where um, he did the experiment where he put words on water and he froze yes. the water and then it created I, I different did. crystals depending on whether it was a positive word or a negative word or phrase. And, um, and it's, it's amazing to me the amount of people that are not aware of what our words, uh, even more so than our actions a lot of times, our words change our physiology, just like you you put the energy in those crystals and that helps to facilitate change. Even Exactly. Even Christians got this right. That's mm -hmm. why they bless the food. That's why they bless the water. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I even tell um, clients that I have, you know, no matter what you do, because I have clients from all walks of life. Some of them are there for weight loss. Some are over quit smoking. There's just a plethora of different things that people want um, different assistance with. Um, but the people that are into like the health part of it and everything, I tell them, I don't care whether you, what your religious beliefs are, but when you sit down to eat, you bless the, the food and all because you actually get more um, energy from it you get more nutrients from it just by doing this blessing mm -hmm. yeah and you're absolutely right and the energetic part is very important but you're also telling your body that you're about to be nourished and you're reminding yourself that you are going to derive as much from this as you can and you're also slowing down and relaxing mm -hmm. definitely so you can't eat it properly if you gobble up the food it's too much all at once and you're not going to be able to process it the right way. Right. Well, most people are in such a hurry for every little thing that they're doing that 
they don't slow down for anything. So it's wonderful when they can take the time to slow down. And I, and I will share, I've, I've worked with people that had so much stress and anxiety over getting things done that they couldn't even take a little five minute break in their day to just sit and, uh, you know, anything. And, um, so it's, um, I think that's the beauty of this work is that we can help people to um, appreciate life and all the things that are going into it, whether we have some things from our past that didn't serve us very well, but it's part of that mosaic of, of life. And I know um, the, the fact that you are, are you a double amputee or just one foot? Just is, one. It, or is it below the knee? Yeah, but below the knee on the okay. right leg. Okay. And the first time I lost something, it was half my foot. Okay. And then six months later, it was at the calf. And okay. a year to the day, a year to the day, I lost another um, half inch. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of, we, you know, I can't even imagine, to be honest with you. Um, I haven't even lost a, a finger nail, you know, much less a, a finger or a toe or, a, you know, it's just, it's a lot to have a part of your body yes. removed. And how do you feel like, what, what helped you with mentally getting to this place where now you still do all this amazing things? And I'm assuming, of course, you know what assuming is. Um, I do. <laughs> but, but I'm assuming but, <laughs> I'm assuming, assuming that you, pardon oh sorry I, I assuming is an is based on an understanding of what currently is mm -hmm. and that's perfectly fine and acceptable we need to when we find out it's a false assumption we just reorient and move forward don't think about it right Perfect. Perfect. I love that. Um, I was doing the old thing of, you know, if you assuming you make an ass out of me and you kind of thing, you know, but. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, but I'm assuming you were doing this work prior, correct? I was. Right? And so doing this work that you do, um, I would think, and you can kind of interject in here is something that helped you tremendously with going through this process and not going down or not staying in a deep hole, I would imagine you have to at some point have just been very, very, you know, down about it. Um, Cause I feel like being human, we, we do have to grieve something, especially losing a part of our body. Um, but I think from the work that you've done, you are probably able to come out of that place a lot quicker than a lot of people. So could you kind of expand on what you were doing prior to and how that helped you? Okay. I will. And this is actually quite a lot. Okay. And <laughs> I will say this, um, losing my leg was the most empowering thing I've ever done. Hmm. I only spent, I quite literally spent five minutes crying. Okay. That was it. That's amazing. That's because someone was freaking out. And uh, I couldn't, and I couldn't handle their emotion. Got it. So, this actually started in 
Well, first of all, I have a mild case of cerebral palsy. Okay. And that affects my motor skills. Most people won't be able to tell because it only affects me when I'm tired. I had a lot of physical therapy as a child. Um, but, oh, and I also come from uh, a toxic family. There's nothing actually wrong with them. It's just they are, the people in my family are drawn to narcissists. We're a bunch of light workers, psychics. We hit all of the um, supernatural um, highlights. Okay. And we are, and um, people that need that energy are drawn to us. Well, we're, I fixed that. <laughs> um, and so we get suppressed. And I'm a twin and I have ADHD. So I was always special. And are you I'm identical always... twins? Paternal. Paternal? Okay. Yeah. And my brother is just as magically inclined as me, but and I suppose this is part of my success as a magically inclined person. Me, I always viewed me and my brother as owning everything together. So anything that he has access to is mine. Hmm. And so when I pull on energy, I use his skill sets too. Um, but so toxic family no one wants to be um we get frowned upon when we do something that's beneficial and i was raised christian so i love making the world a better place it was a great foundation for being who i am and as an adult every time i would try to do something jay don't stand out don't make a difference don't cause waves don't be honest, don't be sincere, don't be authentic. Everything was clothed in more conventional um, prohibitions, and you can imagine what, the, what those are, but it's basically what it came down to. Mm -hmm. And very disempowering. Um, with all my physical challenges, I wasn't allowed to have confidence. So I was stuck living at home and every time I try to do something for myself, someone in my family would come along and physically, magically, and emotionally drain away the energy. No one understood what they were doing, but I quite literally could not do anything. Mm -hmm. And it began to affect my health, and I began to and I began to fight. And I noticed that I was attracting more and more narcissists and unhappy people around me. This even happened at work. And I noticed that my foot started having problems. And then I became diabetic. Now, I also think So you noticed out, the foot first? I noticed the foot first. Okay. And a couple of years later, I became diabetic. Now, I found out that um, diet soda contained a chemical, aspartame, was slowing down my metabolism. And causing uh, and enhancing other problems, so I cut that out of my diet. Which was it that you you broke up for just a second? What was it that was in your diet? Aspartame. Okay. Aspartame. Yeah. Um, okay. It's, it's a neurotoxin. Yeah. There's lots yeah. of research online. I took that out of my diet within six months. I lost close to um, eighty pounds. Mm -hmm. I will say, 
Um, that was part in my diet at one point, and I was having excessive migraines to the point I was put on a preventative migraine medicine. Yeah. And as I started researching that kind of stuff, and I realized that that was, you know, all the things that it said about it, I thought, well, let me just eliminate that. And I took that away and I still get a migraine occasionally, but it's more of a hormonal thing. But I was just blown away with, yeah. they just, it was like, I didn't have to take this preventative or anything anymore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I was also suffering from tinnitus, that ringing in your ears. Mm-hmm. And I had three or four different tones going on at the same time. Oh, wow. Yes. So that took and care of that? That took care of that mostly. Um, we're, if you're psychic, you get, you get energetic downloads all the time. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you get a download and you're, um, and if your merid- your meridians are clogged, that's where the download comes. You get the ringing in your ears as it's getting stuck, but you just okay. have to clean energetically and you're fine. Okay. But the stress of losing all that weight triggered the diabetes. Hmm. And I even went to the doctor, to the um, urgent care saying, I am diabetic. I need to get tested and I need to get this fixed. I got laughed out of the clinic. Really? Yes. Um, and then at the, about two years before the arches on my beat collapsed. And I started having lots and lots of problems with that. And eventually I wound up getting an ulcer on the bottom of my toe. And I was trying to get my insurance um, figured out so I could get it taken care of. And that took a little bit of time. And then I wanted to go to Phoenix um, for a weekend. And I was like, if I, if I allow this problem to become effect, to become a thing, I'm not going to be able to do, to do anything for a long period of time. So on Halloween of 2017, I was in a graveyard praying to um, God, and I was asking a um, pagan high priestess who was buried there to help me with this. And I said, help me get past my emotional problems, my physical problems, and my spiritual problems. I am unhappy. I am stuck. I need better. I need proper housing. I need to be in a healthy relationship with the best person I could find. And I also need to have my, um, I need also needed to have medical insurance so I could have everything paid for, because I know the moment I hit go on this, everything's going to fall apart. Right. And I had one request that this happen the moment I get back from my trip. So, and I was told, okay, fine. You get what you want. The moment I got on the runway at my return trip, I had a stabbing pain go up my leg. And the following Sunday, I went, um, I looked at my foot and the big toe popped. Hmm. And it was bad. And I was told that I was going to lose the toe. And when I went under for the surgery, I found an old man standing in front of me. He had a limp. And he had a, and he had a problem with his eye. And he told me, um, Fluff, 
you need to, you're going to lose your, you're going to lose your foot. You need to be okay with it. I was like, no, I'm not going to lose my foot. Teach me how to heal. Teach me how to move energy. Teach me to be the best possible version of myself so I could heal myself. Nice. And he told me at what cost. And I said, I don't care what the cost is. And so I woke up the next morning, looked at my toe, looked at my foot. There was a big, massive bandage around it. And I counted, I counted bumps on the toes. Make sure I got six. I counted six big, I, I counted six bumps on the toe. So, and this is, and to God, this is what actually happened. I was like, six toes. I checked my other foot to make sure I had five toes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, do I, I have six toes now. Do I need to send a, um, a fruit basket to the person I got the um, extra toe from? <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I immediately realized I'm just high on morphine. <laughs> and as it turned out, they only took out a tiny bit of tissue in my toe. And they said it looked bad. It looked uh, downright awful. But when they took everything out, it wasn't much. And I was told I wouldn't be able to walk for four or five months. And a week and a half later, I was walking around the neighborhood playing Pokemon Go and using a crutch. Three months later, I returned to work. I did a lot of healing. I did, I did a lot of self-healing and my foot was agony from that moment forward. It hurt to walk, it hurt to move. I was fighting what the universe wanted. So you were, that was your cost. Yeah, it was the cost. But as an act of defiance, I had decided I was going to heal and be happy. And then COVID, and I wasn't happy at my work. And at the Celestial Equinox, um, Christmas of 2019, that's, that's when our solar system was at equilibrium. I was going into trance, trying to um, do some cord cutting so I, I could leave my work because there was a lot of fear and I couldn't move. I didn't know how to. And I was using helping, I was having the Archangel Michael help me and I was using his flaming sword to do all the cord cutting. The next day I went to work, I got fired. <laughs> and within two hours I was working at, I was employed at a little um pagan store in town mm -hmm. and the day before someone there quit and i told and people wanted me to work there and i told the and i told people if i get fired from my job i will work there and i was only able to get one shift a week for four hours within a week i had the morning shift every week every day um the owner didn't like coming to work first thing in the morning. <laughs> and I had a key to the place, so I was opening. So I kind of took over. And 
I then COVID happened in 2001. Uh, I know it was, yeah, just that year later in 2000, we reopened briefly and I realized that we're going to get shut down around Christmas. So I told the universe, I looked at where I, what happened to me and my foot and it was getting hard for me to walk again. And I realized that the person I saw when I went under during that surgery was Odin because he, he had a foot problem. He hung, a, he hung from a giant tree for nine days learning wisdom, learning magic. And he had taught me how to move energy. Now I had asked Hecate to teach me wisdom so I wouldn't screw myself over. And that happened too. So I'm, I'm good on the wisdom too. But I asked Hecate to get me out of the hole I was in to remind the universe what I had requested to gain momentum to push me through my fears to get me to a better place. I had the knowledge I was looking for. I had the wisdom I was looking for. I felt like I was ready for the next thing. I wasn't ready to accept the next thing, but I also knew that I liked the intensity and I could handle whatever's. Um, So I asked for them to put me in a situation that's outside of my comfort zone. And the first thing that popped up was an email for a temp agency that was looking for workers in the local food bin um, in my town and packaging food. It was far beyond anything I could do. And I set it aside for a month and then I asked the universe, where is the thing I was asking for? The email popped back up. So I applied. I got denied. And I was like, yeah, no, mm -mm, cancel. I'm getting my red sharpie out and saying, no, I'm not accepting this. So let's imagine a different outcome. Let's imagine that this person goes on vacation or something. And my case gets sent to someone else. And I get accepted and I get sped through the entire process. Nice. Three, um, about two, three weeks later, I get an email saying, okay, Jay, um, when you go to work tomorrow, make sure you wear closed-toed shoes and do all this stuff and talk to these people and you're good to go. And I'm like, wait, I never got interviewed. <laughs> I'm being expected to work. So I put a stop to that. I called up the people and I demanded an interview. And I told them I need two weeks notice after the interview, after I signed papers so I could do this properly. Oh, and also I have physical problems. I can't do much. So they looked at what I could do and they told me that there are two platoon of um, Coast Guards working there and they're trained to work around civilian um, civilians. So just let them know what your needs are and you'll be fine. Hmm. Okay, great. So, and I was asking myself, okay, so knowing how this works, the moment my due, my start date is when Santa, when is when my town shuts down due to COVID again. So I gave my employer two weeks notice. She knew I was doing this, so it was all good. Um, she wanted me to do it. 
were basically waiting for something better for me. And she was helping me with the job. And the store shut down on a Friday and I was starting my new job the next Monday. And this was something I had put into action three months prior. Mm -hmm. So this is where the chaos magician thing comes from. Things tend to work out for me. I do one thing early in, in advance, um, early on, and the further on down the road, I have perfect alignment. And I can tell you what I did to make it work. All right. So the platoon, the warehouse, it was great. I'm gay. I like big, um, hunky men, mm -hmm. um, people that are um, goal and outcome driven. The place was chaos. I had just two platoons of board um, guys that have been working together for years. They're, um, I had fun. They knew I was gay. They didn't care. Mm -hmm. But they kept on pairing me up with the other gay guy on their crew. <laughs> they thought we, we were cute together. Just because you're both gay, it's going to work, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so we would, so the two of us would just stare at each other as we're working up, <laughs> and everyone else was being all macho and over the top. And we had a fun time. Mm -hmm. Now, knives were throwing the air. People were dancing on top of pallets. Um, a guy in the forklift would spend time spinning in circles doing donuts. It was a blast. Mm -hmm. And my foot was still getting worse. And I figured out what the problem was. My family was turning against me. I was visibly breaking free of the trauma. And I had figured out what it was. There's a generational family um, curse going on that we are born into. We are drawn to narcissists, people that want to take away our power. And I got a, a stronger dose than anyone because I somehow inherited um, the magical talent from both sides of my family in full mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in full and I was aware of it so I got hit by it even more strongly and I had even managed to take it apart and reverse it so that the people coming after me would be drawn to people that would amplify our gifts lift us up and raise them to the next level. I managed to switch the polarity. I didn't strain away the energy. I just switched it from negative to positive. Perfect. And yeah, all my selenite broke when I did that. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that was actually a lot of fun. And my mom was so mad at me when she came home after her vacation when I did this because she knew I did something. Mm -hmm. Feel it. And I managed to do that when um, my brother's son was, as he was being born, because, you know, that's when a kid is the most magical. Right. And I was connecting to the, the kid's higher self to help with this, because he was the one that would be the most affected, because he was the first of the next generation. So I did that, and everything, I, I did, I 
I broke the biggest taboo in my family, and I broke the family. I didn't break the family curse. I turned it into a family blessing. Perfect. And most of them, most of them felt that. Mm -hmm. And my sister was turning against against me. My parents were. My mom was dying. My mom. We thought my mom was dying from liver failure, so we were all congregating, and my sister had turned everyone against me. They just wanted me out of the house, and no one seemed to care that I was suffering. And so my leg was going bad. Um, emotional, physical, and spiritual, it's all connected. And emotionally and spiritually, I was sick. Mm -hmm. and I was bleeding through into the physical, because that was the weakest part of me. And so... And my work was beginning to go bad, too. Um, the temp agency was, it became obvious that she didn't want to be working with us. And so she had quietly talked to the place we were working at, and she, got, she convinced them to hire us directly. I was never asked. So on Wednesday, the director of the place we're at said that I'm going to be start working in the janitorial position the next day, and my request has been approved. What? <laughs> Who are you talking about? I never put in a request. I'm happy doing what I'm doing. Um, and the janitorial thing, I can't physically do that. I don't have the mobility. I don't have the capacity to get on the floor and do anything. You need to go back to my employer and talk to them. That was a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Thursday evening, the manager from the department I was supposed to report to said that, what's up? You didn't report for duty today. And I had to explain to them, I never signed up for anything. I just found out about this yesterday. So that was Thursday. Friday, we had to go to a place to hand out food. I got off early. I had my um, employer trying to call me, probably to tell me off that I needed to report to work. And I was like, I'm done with this. Um, I went to bed because I was just that exhausted. And my leg was really killing me for the last um, two weeks. I, I ignored it. I shook it off. I did more energy work. I got through it. I got up in the middle of the night to um, go to the bathroom, took off my socks because I just went to bed fully clothed. Two of my toes had blown out. Oh, wow. I could see the bone. Wow. I had a red lane going up my leg, and I knew what gangrene looked like. And my leg and my foot was turning brown and dark red and kind of leathery. Went to so the it was that fast? Or you just didn't notice it before? I didn't notice it. Mm. Now, I didn't, I didn't know there was anything wrong. Now, earlier that day, I had tripped, and my foot landed heavily on the ground, um, and I felt something in my foot shift, but I thought I just, um, you know, when you move your hand or something, you'd hear bones crack. That's just knuckles popping and things. Mm -hmm. I heard something like that, so I thought that's what would happen, and I could still move my ankle, so I didn't think anything of it. Wow, that's got to have been... Um... I just can't even imagine, but 
that's got to be pretty intense to take your sock off and see that kind of devastation when you really didn't even realize anything had happened. Yeah. And I felt when I was like, okay, so the worst case scenario is happening. And I felt time slow down and I quite literally heard a voice asking me, what do you want to do next? And what did you answer? Yeah. Regardless of what happens, I want to be happy. Okay. And so I said, so I felt like the universe was asking me to shut down my emotions so I could do what I need to do. Because if I needed to get used to the idea that this was happening. And you go into shock. The body does this for a reason. Mm -hmm. So you can take care of business and react later. Go on automatic pilot. Yeah. So, and I said, okay, I'm making the conscious decision. When this wears off, I will be okay. I will be stable and I will be in control and I will be able to choose what I do next. And I choose... humor mm -hmm. and I found out that my A1C um, your blood my blood glucose was so high that it should have killed me weeks ago um, a healthy A1C is six mm -hmm. I was at 17 wow I had um, MRSA Staphylococcus aureus mm-hmm um, two dead toes, I had gangrene, and I was also incredibly septic. Oof. And I had two unknown um, bacteria or viruses in my foot. And this was all been going on for several weeks. Wow. And I, and I worked in a warehouse, had a full-time job for all that time. That's intense. Yeah, it was. And I lost my foot right at um, the metatarsals right about here. Mm -hmm. And I went to a bad place for rehab. Five weeks, they did not care about their um, patients. Second night, I wanted to call the cops. Wow. Yeah. And so it was hell. The universe gave me something to fight against. I'm in Aries. I like, I like combat. I had fun. I had fun being in that place and being the only person that had the capacity to force people to, to do what I wanted in an environment where people were helpless. They were scared of me. I really was given a gift in being in a combative state the entire time. And probably the people that were there as far as patients were gifted with that as well, because mm -hmm. if you were making a change for your own um, mm -hmm. um, medical um, being, you were changing for others as well. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now the funny thing is the place I live at now, I just moved three weeks ago is three, is three or four blocks away from that place. Mm -hmm. So I pass by it every day. Yeah. Do mm -hmm. you send it love? I do. Perfect.
I do. Um, and I got out of there. And then a couple months later, I found out that, oh, yeah, middle of the, about three weeks after the surgery and half a foot, I wasn't, be, I was told I'm not going to be able to walk on it um, for a good long time. I got to go to the bathroom and I was barefoot and I realized I was walking on half a foot. Barefoot, hmm. no assistance. Wow. We had already got used to it. And six months later, I lost my lower um, leg because I didn't get rid of the infection. And this time around, more problems. Mm -hmm. So just and, a quick ask. Um, yeah. So since it was um, neglected diabetes and um, so did accident. you, pardon? And a work-related accident, I wanted to get a hole in the bottom of my foot that I okay. didn't know. Okay, okay, which means that you probably, um, because of the diabetes, didn't feel whatever happened, right? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I hear that happens a lot. And mm -hmm. but um, so, did you alter your um, your your food intake? Did you alter all those things for like the the diabetes? Um, or how did you facilitate that change that you said you you said because you've got um, that and you might be getting to that, but it was just all of a sudden that just popped in my head. And um, what was it you were doing to take care of the diabetes part? Um, well, I was originally given metformin and I realized that um, killed my body's ability to heal properly. Mm hmm. And I lived in a toxic household, and every time I would try to cook something in the kitchen, I would get I would get chased out of there. So my diet was never that good. Okay. Um, I did what I could, but using prepackaged food, using the microwave, it yeah. was not. It's a little hard to eat the yeah. diabetic-friendly yeah. diet when you're having to do it that way. Yeah. So there's reasons why my diet wasn't what it should be, mm -hmm. but it was also the severe emotional um, state I was in. That's the biggest contributing factor. Right. Um, so that happened and I was in a nursing home for three months. Mm. And I was fine there. Mm -hmm. I like the people I was. Um, I gotta gotta be around. Um, if they got stuck, if I got a roommate I didn't like, I would be in. I would make sure that they were taken out. And I said, "I'm there to heal. You can't put next to someone. You can't put someone next to me that's spending all our time screaming." Right. Right. You just can't. And I had one guy that kept on threatening me with a gun. Oh. Yeah. He only lasted three days. And I had one person physically attack me while I was in bed one night. And I ran out of my room in a walker. And 
I was missing a foot. I, I ran out of my room with a in a walker. Mm -hmm. Bloody murder. I ran out of a room with one foot. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Impressive. And I actually had a decision on how to react. Tell more, tell more. Yeah. At this point, I had gotten to a place where when shit happens to me, mm -hmm. my emotions shut down just for a, a brief second, and I get to choose my next emotion. This was a trigger I had built in. Because I didn't want to waste time being angry. I didn't want to waste time being unhappy. Right. Um, I, ex I had accepted the fact that all the emotions are there for a reason. And we get to choose how we process information and what to do next. We are either a passive thinker. We are, or we're a react or a reactive thinker, or we're a proactive thinker. I tend to be, I choose to be proactive. I agree. Yeah. Um, and when I lost my lower leg, <coughs> I was back in that clearing, the same one where I had the first surgery five years prior. And I was asked, I was told, okay, Jay, are you happy? I told you that you're going to lose your lower leg. You have to pay. You have to. You have to pay the price. The piper. You have to. You have to pay the price. What do you offer? And I offered nothing. I I chose not to pay a price. And instead. I chose to give a gift. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take what happened to me and I am going to make the universe groan and moan and hide from me because of my humor. Since we are on the other side where thoughts become things, I grabbed my foot and it was floating in a pickle jar. And I set this in front of me. I said, this is going to be, be my shtick. I'm going to make the universe a better place by making fun of myself and by using fake feet as props. So is that where your thing comes where you said that your foot is on a sabbatical in Kentucky hanging out with your friend, Mary? Yeah, 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 it is. Okay. And the okay. night before when I had surgery, mm -hmm. I wrote down on the bottom of my foot with a Sharpie, property of Jason Hoddle, if them, please return to owner. And I put my cell phone number on it. <laughs> they had to put the sock back on to do the surgery. Mm -hmm. And they just couldn't, they just couldn't look at it and take me seriously. <laughs> and the night after surgery, I went online and I ordered plastic feet and I sent them to all my friends and family. And it had a message in it saying, hi, I'm Mr. Wright. I'm traveling in the country by foot to see what's out there. If you find me, please don't step on me and put me in a nice warm sock and keep me somewhere safe. Pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. And my friend, Mary Hawk, who's a pagan high priest, a pagan priestess, 
keeps her foot on a bookshelf with a sock on it. Okay. And some and sometimes when we do videos together for various reasons, if she picks up that foot and starts tickling it, and I'm not watching, and it's off screen, and all of a sudden I start getting phantom nerve pains in my foot. Interesting. If you'll if you'll watch me start twitching. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But the thing is with that surgery. When I was under, when I was asked, what do I want? And I said, I want a fresh start. I need to find my guy. I have connected with him energetically and spiritually. And together we have all these adventures. And I imagine him, he's actually sitting next to me. And I've used um, re thought reframing mm -hmm. so that my brain thinks that he's actually next to me. All right. And there's a whole science behind that. And I I know you know what I'm talking about. Yes, I, te I teach that as well. Yeah. And so he needs to show up. And I need to find him. And so put me in the best place. And I was searching the multiverse from him for him. Because he didn't exist in the same plane of existence as me. He was in some universe far away. Right. And I kept on hopping universe to universe to universe looking for him. I kept on pulling him towards me. And every time I would do it, chaos would ensue. So I woke up that next morning back in my home universe, the one I was supposed to be in. Mm -hmm. um, I termed it the fluffy verse. The place where my potential was going to be the happiest. And I also realized I was back in the same state of grace that I was in as a child. I was in perfect resonance with myself in the universe. And I found it was easier to move energy. And we, and when we get traumatized and we lash out and we try to force ourselves into a better place, we move from universe to universe to universe and we get out of sync with our baseline blueprint. I found myself back in where I was. And the first thing I did was make sure that I remembered where that place was. So if I ever left it, I could get back there. I just imagined it as a unique form of sacred space. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as I put that anchor in place, my dad and my um, aunt walked into the room and they were all upset and I just couldn't handle their energy. So I started making fun of myself. I started putting my foot down. <laughs> they, had, they had to leave because they were so horrified with me that they couldn't be unhappy. Well, it's true. A lot of people, uh, I mean, I, I, I believe like you had said that um, we can choose to be happy or we can choose to be unhappy. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's all, it's all a choice and how we react to the things that happen to us. We can, we, there's a law of polarity. So we can mm -hmm. either choose to be on one side of the polar or the other, and it's mm -hmm. all a choice. And people are so ingrained with what their choice is that they do not want you to do something that's going to pull them out of it. 
especially mm-hmm. in in what they feel may be dire circumstances. Yeah, and I was in dire circumstances, and there were at some points where I was unhappy because, well, emotions are there for a reason. They're healing, right? And you you're human. Healing. You're human, yeah. so it's normal. Yeah, and we are here to experience the roller coaster of human emotions. So we're supposed right. to allow ourselves to go from place to place to place. I just give myself a certain amount of time before I move myself out of it. Mm-hmm. And so, so do you feel we're... like you spent um, um, the exact amount of time you needed for grieving? Because it's just like grieving when someone dies or uh, grieving a lost relationship. It's It seems to me it would be even a more intense grief to losing a limb. There was no grief. None. Okay. Um, I've had people check my auras, my aura on this mm-hmm. and all sorts of things. My body did not, my energetic and emotional body did not register me losing a limb. Okay. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. And even though I had to lose it part of my life twice, I healed up each time. And so do you just to interject a question and, and I will say that you gave me permission before we got started, that if something came up to ask a question. So I don't want people to think that I'm constantly interrupting you, but you did give me permission. Um, I so I, I want, I want to say that. Um, but do you feel like there was some type of significant significance that this was incremental losses that it wasn't like they immediately had to take the foot. They didn't immediately have to take it all the way up to the knee. Do you think there's some kind of spiritual or whatever significance to that? Yes. Because I remember I made a contract with the universe several years ago in that graveyard, that things happened to me incrementally. So I could process through one fear at a time quickly. So it's not too much. Mm -hmm. So it happens in order so once one fear is obliterated or i'm safely past it the next bigger one happens okay so i could could process through and come out the other side and evaluate what's happening as i'm going through the next thing Mm -hmm. i had requested this okay i had chosen the path i was on and i kept on taking a step out of it and reassessing and building momentum as I'm going. I was in control of this the entire time. And the universe was working with me on this. So yeah, there was a lot of fear, but it was manageable. Mm-hmm. And there was the also the understanding and knowledge that this is what I'm asking for, that this is the dark night of the soul I had deliberately asked for. Mm-hmm. And I and I had acknowledged that my biggest fear wasn't what's coming next, but it was being stuck in the same trap my family was stuck in. That was my biggest fear. Mm-hmm. So I had to destroy everything that my family um, had me be born into. So, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you're saying symbolically the, the, um, not only did you ask for things to be incremental, but the losing of the limbs 
was separating you from the trajectory of being the same as your family and having those yes. same things. Okay. Yes. Almost everyone in my family is very um, hardy genetic stock. Things happen to us. We recover. Mm -hmm. And we get disempowered. Mm -hmm. We lose our spark. We, we lose our vitality. Um, I didn't want that. I did not want that. And so I spent three months in the nursing home. And there was an event I wanted to go to that um, during there um, at the local boardwalk. And I felt like I needed to go there because my um, future husband was going to be there. And I could feel him energetically. Mm -hmm. And I actually knew he was there because I could feel him crying out because he was unhappy. I couldn't go because I was stuck in the hospital. Um, and so how did that make you feel that you could feel him there and you had the desire to go there, but you, you knew you weren't physically able to do that at that time. That was the most traumatizing thing I've experienced in years. Okay. The most traumatizing. And, and in a way it was also the most exciting because I got a physical location on him. Mm-hmm. Um, and the in, oh, by the way, um, every time I had surgery, I would recover quickly. I would start walking and doing other things. I never lost my strength. I never lost my agility, what little agility I had. The cerebral palsy sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, so did you end up having to be in a wheelchair for a while or anything? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was. And the wheelchair was the easiest way, to, easiest way to get around. But I could also go a fair distance in a walker and just hop. Mm -hmm. So mobility in hospitals was never a problem for me. I mean, the nurses hate it because they had no idea what I was going to, going to do. <laughs> and if they took too long to get to me, I would actually get out of bed and go look for the nurse. <laughs> I even had a nurse... There's a rule saying that um, you have to keep the the doors in the hospital open, mm -hmm. so that so they could watch you to make sure you don't do anything you're not supposed to. Um, I can't sleep with my door open, so I could require them to close that at night, and they wouldn't. So I told them that if they leave it open, I'm going to get out of bed and close the door. I even proved it to them. Mm -hmm. Now they were keeping the door open so they would make sure I wouldn't get out of bed. Imagine that particular paradox being presented to you. Yes. <laughs> I did not know what to do. <laughs> and eventually I got what I wanted. Um, but I'm with you. I don't like if I'm in the hospital, I don't like that door open for one thing. There's too much light coming in and too much noise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And yeah. So. Oh, um, and when I went into the hospital, they had to check all my stuff. And every single time they found all the pagan stuff I had with me. 
They knew mm-hmm. I was, um, they were, they knew I was a psychic. They knew I was a tarot reader. Mm-hmm. And the nurses quickly realized that I'm the happy person. I fix people's problems. And there's just something about me, maybe a glow or a look of mischief in my eyes. But regardless of where I was, the doctors, the nurses, they were sending their unhappy people to me. Oh, how cool is that? Emotional healing. Yeah. So I was busy mm-hmm. the entire time. That's so nice. I, so how did that feel to have that? Um, um, oh, God, I don't even know what the um, word is for them showing you that the path that you were on was the perfect path for you. Yeah, validation. That's it. Why could I not think of that word? At one point, point, I heard a nurse saying outside to the new person that was coming on that hadn't encountered me, saying, "Um, Jason is, no, she actually used my nickname, Fluffy. Mm -hmm. Um, I said something when I was on, when I was doped up. Right. And it stuck. Yeah. It was actually on my chart. And I also, oh, for anyone that is reading, um, hearing this, if you are are in a hospital, when you check in, say that your religion is pagan. It gives you access to different services. Really? Yes. What's that about? What kind of services? So you can do emotional healing, energetic healing. Really? Yeah, you could you could you could look it up. Uh huh. Hmm. Yeah, that's intriguing to know. One of my friends is a um, is clergy, and she works as the, um, a church chaplain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, she had asked. So this lady had asked what that meant. I said I'm pagan. Um, I do. My religion requires me to use candles, smudge sticks, and other things. So this is something you are legally required to provide to me and give me space for an altar. Okay. And you can't do any, and you can't do anything about it. So all those cool crystals that we like, we get access to them and they can't object. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it's on file, they can't object. Um, and this was on file for me. So I heard her tell a new person coming on saying that Jason, oh my Fluffy, will lift you up, make you laugh, and it'll make your day better. Hmm. And I wasn't quite feeling up to it in that moment because I was having a, a moment. But uh, but I was like, okay, um, God, I need I need an energetic boost. I'm going to be over the top. And I'm going to give her a song and dance that she's hoping for. So I did... And I knew what was actually going on now. So I hammed it up quite a lot. <laughs> and it actually changed my perspective. It made me realize that I am a, I am a performer. Mm-hmm. It is a circus. Um, yeah. And so three months after that, I went home. Life sucked. My family didn't want me around, but they weren't saying anything. 
You could just feel it, you mean? Yeah, I could mm -hmm. feel it. I'm like, this isn't healthy for me. But I couldn't stay there any longer anyway. Um, I had far exceeded their capacity to um, help me. It's, it's all insurance reasons. And so I was home in a wheelchair for um, a solid month. And I wasn't allowed to bring my wheelchair inside the house. Hmm. Yeah. So I had to use a walker. And then I got my prosthetic leg. They stuck it on me and my body immediately remembered how to walk. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that was a good thing. And it still hurt. Um, I actually, I now have osteoarthritis in my left hip, but I'm working on that. And so I remembered where my future husband was. And I figured I need to be in those circles so I could encounter him. And... So in February, I had located one of the groups. It was a weekly um, volleyball, gay men's volleyball group that went to dinner. And I went to one or two of those. And I met a lot of really nice people. But I was too focused on healing and moving. And I was also focused on finding the guy. All right. But well, I only did that two or three times. So in March, um, it was International Puppy Day. And I someone had posted something online about it. And I said, okay, I used to be a furry. So I love tactile sensations. So I would love it if someone would come up to me and scratch me behind the ears. And so I went to dinner. And someone walked up to me and scratched me behind the ears. We had a wonderful conversation. And then later that week, it was the semi-annual um, event at the boardwalk. The same event where I found that I heard that guy the previous year. Mm -hmm. So. I sat down and I listened. Didn't feel. Hmm. So I just decided, and I was sad, but I just decided, you know, I'm here. I'm going to have fun. So I talked to the guy that scratched me behind the ears um, two days earlier. Guess what? It turned out to be the guy. <laughs> interesting yeah it did um he lived two miles up the road past me and i had told the universe that i really don't care what happens to me and yes i'm a bit reckless about that but i need to be i need to find my guy before i turn 40 mm -hmm. and that weekend was a week before i would um gonna turn 40 very cool
Yeah. And I realized I had fallen in love with that man on my 40th birthday. And later that month, we had decided that we are right for each other. And he started talking about, he started saying certain things to me. And I had actually had journal entries from three years prior of those exact words, of those exact phrases, thought patterns that I thought my guy was telling me. And since late Feb, since late April of last year, we have gotten together every single night after mm -hmm. he was done with work without fail. No matter what we were doing, we've been able to get together. And at Belt last year at Beltane, when the pole was raised and we sent off the cone of power, we both touched that um, the maypole and we made a we made several wishes. One, my my remaining health issues get solved. We both get better jobs, and we find a home together. And this all happens before the next bell time. So when you were saying that, did you both say the same thing together or were you both making little extra wishes separate and they ended up being the same? We had a discussion. Okay. <laughs> we were both touching the phone and I said, what do we want to do? Okay. And so we came into an agreement and he added a, little, a, little, a couple other things and we both made that wish. Mm -hmm. And I wound up telling him that, okay, in May, during a certain time of May, you're going to be applying for your dream job. You're going to have to update your LinkedIn and do all these other things. Because you need to get out of the stressful job that you're currently in. It was very toxic and invalidating, and it was slowly killing him. I knew that if he was going to be there for another six months, he would be dead. Mm -hmm. And during the three-week, three-day window of time, we both ran across a job application. It was his dream job. He couldn't get it. He wound up getting it anyway. Mm -hmm. And it was on LinkedIn and he had to update his, all this information. It turned out to be just, it turned out to be toxic in a different way. Right. But it is paying him more than it was. Mm -hmm. And there's actually money left over. And that current job is letting him afford the place that we're currently in. And he's moving in this weekend. Actually, Perfect. he's starting to, move, starting to move later today. Okay. And so he noticed that I predicted that job opportunity. And I possibly manifested it out of um, thin air. Or I was just told that this was off, this was going to happen. And we were on the look, lookout. Mm -hmm. It's probably a little bit of both. Right. I know that when I focus on something, I create an opportunity for something to come through that's possibly going to try. And that's a big thing of manifestation, creating opportunities for something to happen. Right. So let me ask you a question. Um, one of the things that you said on your bio is that you're a chaos magician mm -hmm. with quantum physics and moving yeah. energy. So is that what you're kind of talking about right now? Yes. Right. Okay. It is. It's all about focusing on a goal. 
and an outcome sometime in the future. Okay. We focus on that. And so I listened everything. to Abraham Hicks. So I call that pre-paving. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but then uh, I think it's kind of the same thing. I, I, I had a couple encounters with Abraham Hicks um, mm -hmm. and I learned a few things mm -hmm. and I was able to get confirmation that some of the stuff I did is very effective. Mm -hmm. And so I look at the future and I try to imagine the things I could do now to make that future more likely. Right. And it's like a ripple effect. You throw a you throw a stone into a river to get the leaf on the other side to start moving. Right. To get it unstuck and move down the river. Um, and you don't have to throw a giant rock in, just a small stone would work. Right. Baby steps. Yeah. And so that works. Um, and I did that enough to the point where I started feeling energy currents. And I learned how to directly address those energy currents. So I state my intention and what I want, what type of outcome I would like to um, encounter. And the energy responds. I just pretend like it's a puppy. Mm -hmm. And I want some love and attention. And I will pet it, pick it up and play with it. Okay. Speaking of puppies... Um, I was just about to ask you, it's kind of funny how all that stuff happens, but it was in my mind. I need to ask him about his emotional support animal and, oh, yeah, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. and how that came to be. I mean, um, it, it's pretty interesting. And for those who are listening, he actually has a, a stuffed, is he a dog? He looks like yeah. a dog. Yes. A, a stuffed dog. What is he? Wolf. Wolf. Wolf, a stuffed wolf. Okay. Um, and he actually has the vest on and everything. He's quite cute. But mm -hmm. um, tell us about how, uh, there's two questions I want uh, answered, if you don't mind. And I know I don't want to take an awful lot of time because we've, we've gone a little long now, but I would love to know how you got the name Fluffy um, and how you adopted this um, uh, emotional support dog that and i've seen pictures you take him with you to coffee shops you mm -hmm. you take him with you all over the place and i'm sure it opens a lot of people conversations with a lot of people so i would love to know it does well baxter mcdougall is a character is um something i came up through dungeons and dragons oh okay and my and my character in that game was an elf named jasper <coughs> When Jasper was the son of a, um, a druid, and mm -hmm. her mom, when her favorite form was a wolf. So he got cursed into something that he was like a werewolf, and he was a ranger, and he wound up befriending a wolf named Baxter, and it turned out to be his emotional support animal. Okay. And so that's where the name came from, and Baxter is someone I found at a pagan convention and there was a guy selling these. With, and, the, with the tag and every the 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 vest and everything. And some of the stuff is some of the um accessories as well has fallen off over the five years of had them. But I'll send you the link later so you can repost it if you like. Okay. 
the guy that makes these, mm -hmm. there are every sort of animal, including an octopus and a shrimp. <laughs> Intriguing. Back, and I really like the idea of an emotional support animal because we all need a pet. We all need something that can love us unconditionally. Mm -hmm. And what we focus on becomes um, magic. What, what we focus on becomes real. You ever read The Velveteen Rabbit? Mm -hmm. By the end of the story, the rabbit was real. Right. And so I started bringing Baxter with me and I gave him a personality. He makes gummy worms. <laughs> and he had he any cliff belly button lint for the um for the lint fairy so that during the <laughs> holiday lint there could actually be enough lint to go around. <laughs> and he has a he has a sibling named Axter and a cousin named Charlotte. And my fiance Joe has both of them. Okay. And when we get together, all five of us have conversations. <laughs> and Baxter was with me in every single major surgery I've had for my foot. I just put him in a plastic bag so I could sit on the counter and watch. Okay. And when I request that he comes with me during the surgeries, they all look like I mean, like I'm crazy. And I just provide solutions on how to do this. Okay. And they have no idea what they're and they have no idea what they're who they're dealing with. So they just go along with it. And so it works. And I had a one of the chancellors of the pagan tradition I'm a part of did a psychic reading for me a couple years ago and said that I actually have a guardian angel that is um that comes across that is pretending to be Baxter. Okay. There in times of emotional support, and he takes this form. So I accept it. And since that has happened, the actual guardian angel comes across and spends time just socializing with me in his real form. And that's cool. Mm -hmm. I could ask questions and learn more stuff that I wasn't aware of before. Um, but Baxter is needed, not for necessarily for my own good, but because it reminds me that I can't stay serious. And we have the right to choose an emotion and to experience what we do next. Right. And how to react. And he sleeps, he sleeps on my nightstand next to me. And when we go go to coffee, if one of the baristas come by, Baxter will stand up and ask questions. And woof, 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 woof. <laughs> and the, re the reactions of the people that he's talking to are always comical. Yeah. And this is my reality. And I have noticed that the way people react to my reality, they act as if this is normal. Because this is my normal. Right. And I asked a long time ago from the universe to only send people to me that are part of my universe. So if I throw a rock at someone in the crowd, the person that the rock hit is more than likely going to be part of my universe. 
Yeah. And as a matter of fact, you and I met, um, you, we were both in a, in a group together. And I think on that day, didn't we both end up getting picked to be coached? Um, yes, yes. yes. Um, and so it was like something about you. It was like when you were talking and getting coached and everything, I thought I'm going to reach out to him. And, um, so it was just the, everything at play to put us both in front of one another at the same time. Yeah. And there were several thousand people in that zoom room getting yes. coached and we both got picked. Yes. Yes. It was interesting. Um, I, I was blown away. Um, the other thing was, how did you get the name fluffy? Um, I used to be a furry. Okay. And so we all, um, so when I went to a fur convention, I needed a name. I needed a nickname for the badge. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was a favorite a movie of mine from Disney that I liked. It was called Lilo and Stitch. Mm-hmm. It's about this little girl that befriended an alien. Right. And he looked like a mutated koala. Yes. And every time he would get hit or something heavy would fall on him, he would get up and say that he's fine. He's fine. He's fluffy. Okay. So um, to me, the term fluffy means durability and choosing to react the way you want to. That's perfect. Yeah, that served you very well, too. Yeah, and it's also my magical name. Yeah. Cool. So let me ask you this. Um, because I don't want to um, go on too long with this because I want to make sure that people are going to listen to the whole thing. So um, if you could give our listeners um, one piece of advice about life, adversity, whatever it may be, what would that advice be? Stand in front of a mirror, think of an animal and have a conversation with yourself sounding like that animal. Okay. Not what I expected, but that's really cool. So what does that, what does that do? It means that you can't take yourself seriously. Okay. Cause I've never done that. So I will be um, trying that out in a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I'll and be interested you- to see what animal I come up with too. Yeah. I choose, I choose to sound like a duck or a chicken. Um, the other night, um, my fiance was having a bad, um, a bad moment. And so we were leaving the house and I just started clucking like a chicken as I was walking um, to the car and I was dancing and it's up on an incline and I can't do inclines because of my prosthetic leg. Mm -hmm. And I was so focused on the dancing and clucking like a chicken and occasionally quacking that I walked up the hill with no problem. Interesting. The doing this reroutes all the negativity and all the ruts that you're in. Mm-hmm. Our neural just, pathways that yeah, we've created. It just, yeah, it just puts it all down. And you're so focused on the act of being silly. Mm-hmm. You let go of everything that you're dealing with that's causing a problem. And it allows the possibility for new things to come in. I love that. So if we're focused on the being silly, we're actually getting outside of ourselves and outside of our limitations. So they're not keeping us bound into whatever it is that we think we're supposed to be. 
right? And if you do this in front of a mirror, you're sending the subconscious message that you're talking to yourself, to your inner child, so that you're playing. And your inner child will listen and oh. will probably respond back. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I will say thank you so much for um, for being a guest um, today, because this has been very intriguing. It's a lot of different avenues of things that I've never thought about before or know nothing about. And so I love being um, surprised and intrigued with with people and um, you've definitely um, done all of that. So I greatly, greatly appreciate you. So just hang on for just a minute. I just want to tell everybody, thank you so much for listening and um, and for watching, because later this is going to be on a, on a video platform as well. And make sure to look in the comments and we'll have some information about um, where to find Fluffy. And just real quick, I know um, we mentioned it earlier or I when you and I were talking, your Instagram, your Facebook, your TikTok, your website, everything is uh, almost the same or is the same. So just share real quick um, how they can find you. Yeah. Um, all you really need to do is look up with the fluff and associated with whatever popular social media is out there. I'm probably on it. Or you could just look up hashtag with the fluff, with the fluff, all one word. And I'm there. All right. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so I would look to, to say thank you to everybody that's listening and, um, I, I so appreciate you and I would love you to be here for future, um, episodes, but till then. Mwah. Okay. Thank you. Woof, woof. Bye.